Welcome back to another episode of Laser Graves. I am your co-host, E.K. Wimmer. Hey, E.K. Wimmer. I am Mariah Rose. Hey, Mariah. You're looking pretty uh, sweaty over there because it's 105 outside. Not currently. It was today. <laughs> uh, yes. It's like 101 now. It's so hot. I don't know what that is in Celsius for our listeners who count in those numbers. Okay. <laughs> but it's a bajillion here. And uh-huh. in case you're wondering how hot it is, I did hear a rumor that there were two hobbits on their way here to toss their ring into our state <laughs> to let it burn. Your shower not pass. <laughs> it's so hot. Oh, it is so hot. Okay. Well, since we've cleared that up and we had company in town, your family came to visit mm-hmm. haven't seen them in who knows, seven months? Those are the first humans we've seen that were, like, in our space since all of this quarantine business started, so... Yeah, it was weird. It was strange to interact with other people beyond just, like, stay away from me at the store interaction <laughs> yeah. or online. Yeah, well, we're <laughs> how, done. How are you otherwise? Good, yeah, done entertaining guests and um, starting to work on a new film score. I can't talk about it right now. But top secret. Top secret, very exciting. Another feature, um, which I wasn't expecting because pretty much all productions have been shut down. Even one I was in the middle of has been shut down, but this one came up and we're going to go ahead and go forward with it. Nice. So I'll update you guys as that film comes along. But other than that, yeah, uh, I'm very excited to talk about today's episode. Good. Um, but before we do, let's talk about some thrift store finds. What do you got this right. week? So I did go to the thrift store and found, well, okay, I went there one day and there was a woman with an enormous plastic horse. <laughs> and I was jealous. And I was like, oh, man, she got there before me. And then two days later, I swung by again. And there was a second enormous plastic horse. It's like an old, probably 80s style horse. And so I bought it. It was just like $2. And I brought it home, took it out back and spray painted it and made it into this like masterwork of art. And now it, <laughs> now it looks like a hoity-toity piece of art, but it's really just something. It's really toy. cool. I have uh, something to add to that story. Okay. I saw that same horse uh-huh. at the thrift store and was going to buy it for you because I thought, well, that's definitely something Mariah would buy. <laughs> and then you and I went to the thrift store the next day. And I went to see where you were at, like if you were ready to go and you're walking around with that horse under your arm. Just tucked up under there. Meant to be. I really like uh, large painted horses. When in a former life, when mm-hmm. I was during a lot of art exhibitions and art yeah. shows, I'd travel around the state and uh, I'd be the guest juror. And I went to this one contemporary art show and we were giving out, you know, awards or whatever. But my favorite one, and I lost out. There were two other judges and they were like, no way, this isn't the best. But I thought it was, was this huge installation with a huge like camper and um, AstroTurf like for the yard. mm -hmm. And then a ginormous life-size plastic horse that was painted bright pink and it was all set up like it was a diorama it was Uh. so amazing and instead you know the award went to like a landscape or something so i'm a fan of the big horses i would attack people to get to the big horse i that's the (laughs) dream that's that's my ultimate goal so if tim burton directed a film about your life it'd be called the big horse instead of the big fish yes okay okay good to know What about you? What did you find? This week I found a pretty cool horror movie tie-in. I have, sometimes I collect those if I come across some uh, horror movie that have novel tie-ins to them. And I found a really nice first edition of Psycho 2, the the tie-in. So that was cool. Okay. And then I also found a uh, Beavis and Butthead do Christmas VHS tape. And I thought, well, I guess we probably need that in our Christmas collection. Probably. You know what? In ninth grade, I was watching a lot of Beavis and Butthead because I moved to New Mexico from very rural Montana and hadn't had v- or MTV. And so I that was my first exposure to Beavis and Butthead. And one of my friends called me Beavis because I started... <laughs> This is a humiliating thing to admit, but I started talking like Beavis. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's an interesting thing to talk about. It was unintentional, but I I did sound a little Beavis-y. Oh, so, oh, wait, were you talking like Beavis without knowing it? Yeah. Like, that... But it was kind of in the zeitgeist of America at that yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. 
I mean, it wasn't like I was doing an impression, but there was like a beavisy like tinge to my. <laughs> you weren't doing like the TP for my <laughs> cornhole or bunghole or whatever. Oh please, we still do that. Both you and yeah, I. There's I don't no think shame. So. <laughs> All right. Well, that's what I found. Let's talk about this week. So this week is an interesting one. In full disclosure, we had a different movie in mind that we've been both meaning to watch. It was going to be a first time watch, and mm-hmm. we've been holding on to it because we thought it was going to be this like killer episode, or such at least a, fun, such a fun ride. And we put it on, and both of us could not even make it through half the film. It yeah. was a dud, and it was a very disappointing dud. Sometimes these things happen. We uh, stopped the film and said, yeah, I don't want to talk about this for an episode. (laughs) And then in retaliation, we thought we got to counter this by going big this week. Go big or go home. Yeah, not doing any obscure weird stuff or stuff that maybe we're kind of into. Let's let's go tried and true and go big. So uh, you came up with a selection this week. Mm -hmm. And I was very excited when you chose it. And you went with Night of the Demons from The Greatest Year Ever, 1988. Mm-hmm. Um, the second you chose that, I was like, okay, now this is an episode I'm ready to talk about. Okay. Although, interesting side note, mm-hmm. a runner-up has become the dark horse in our um, stacks lately, since we found out it is not 1990, but in fact 1989. Oh. And that is Julian Sandin, Warlock. <laughs> So we will get to it eventually. I feel like you need to work to refine your Snape versus Julian Sand. But we didn't do Warlock. We are doing Night of the Demons. We are going to have a lot to say about this because this is a classic. This is a staple in the horror community. So I'm sure most of the people listening to this episode are excited because they actually know this movie for a change. And not only do they know it, they actually like this movie. So Mm -hmm. uh, spoiler alert. We like it, too. We're not going to diss on it. (laughs) We're going to heap praise on it. But let's get into it. 1988. When did you first see this? This is something that's been in our life for a long time. And we bonded over horror films as teenagers. So I can't even, you know, this is very interesting to me. I don't know when you first saw this. I first saw this last night. What? (laughs) It's true. I totally thought I had seen it. You're a part two person, huh? I've seen part two for sure. Yeah. I thought I had seen part one and I was like, "Eh, I don't need to watch it again. I've seen it and I felt like I knew what happened. And then as I was watching it, I realized I'd never seen it. That's so interesting. I held my cards close to the chest. You did. I didn't tell you. Wow, because when you chose, you like didn't even hesitate. You were like, oh, Night of the Demons. And I thought, all right, yeah. I thought I knew what I was choosing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we definitely have seen part two together. So, okay. Yeah, so we definitely bonded over horror. But for some reason, I think we just both assumed I had seen this one. And we were so busy showing each other our horror favorites. Wow, hot take. (laughs) I know. When did you first see this? When you were like out of the womb? Yeah, I probably saw this when I was real young, maybe 12 or 13. And then saw it again, maybe a couple years later. And then I really honestly haven't seen it since I was a teenager. Mm -hmm. I remembered it. There were parts that I remembered very clearly, other parts that I had kind of forgotten about. Mm -hmm. But I always loved it. I remember when I saw it, I instantly loved it. And I've always, you know, had a fondness for it. And I haven't revisited it since I got it on uh, tape. So it's been one that I've been waiting to sit down and watch. But I don't own part three. I have part one and part two on VHS. Mm -hmm. And I was waiting until part three to do like a marathon night. Oh, nice. And but then uh, you chose this. So I was like, oh, cool. I'll pop it in. Wow. I did not know that. I think I've seen both two and three. Interesting. And I think in my head, I thought I had seen one and two. Oh, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely have not seen three. To my knowledge, maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think I have. I think, I'm pretty sure I have, so anyway. Well, that's cool. This is exciting. Fun. I'm even more interested now to hear your thoughts on it, because I was <laughs> a little nostalgic going through this, but for you being a first-time viewer, boy, to go back in time and uh, see this for the first time, because this yeah. is really like one of those gems in the 80s. There are a few that... The formula just works in all the right ways. Not a whole lot. And this is one of them. There's a reason why everybody loves this film. They kept it simple and they kept it good. Yeah. So to be able to see it for the first time, that's that's a rare occasion. It's weird, too, because I think you and I are both so well versed in horror that it's rare that I one of us gets to see a classic that 
for the first time. Definitely. Af- after building up this knowledge base that we've been building for, I don't know, decades. Yeah. So I was just, once I realized it, I was like, holy crap, I've never seen this. Were you excited? Yes, very. It okay, was cool. It was like a present. Okay, cool. So, yes. <laughs> All right, well, Night of the Demons was directed by the one and only Kevin Tenney, who I love. I didn't realize how much I loved him until I started really thinking about all the films. What has he done? Well, he was just coming off of one of our favorites, Witchboard. (laughs) 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 Which, uh, if you're new to the show, please go back and check out our Witchboard episode, which Mm -hmm. we had a lot of fun on. I love that movie. Yeah. It is so much fun. It's ridiculous. This is, you know, when we talked about rock and roll nightmare in mm-hmm. a zombie nightmare and so black roses like that trifecta this is similar where kevin had three in a row that were heavy hitters in my opinion okay he did witchboard mm-hmm. followed it up with night of the demons All and right. then followed that up with witch trap which i don't think you've seen witch no trap. i haven't i just saw it for the first time i've always wanted to i just <laughs> got it and i love that movie really it is like witchboard 2.0 is it 80s or is it 90s no it's 80 it's right after this oh i didn't know if it was like yeah so he did one two three in a row and i tell you those are like perfection in my mind so we'll watch that together because i really want to see it um neon brainiacs had just done it recently okay so it was fresh on my mind i was like man how have i never seen this and then it came up uh dirt dirt cheap from a friend who i bought from quite a few times and I bought it from him and watched it like a couple days ago and was instantly in love. So, which yeah. trap actually just sounds like a, a like subgenre of trap music, but whatever. <laughs> like spooky trap music. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yep, that's all. Well, so that's who we're dealing with is Kevin Tenney. That's the director. Mm-hmm. So we're already in for the goods. I will say, out of the three, though, this is the most legit, like straightforward. It's very straightforward. It's just a good. It's really well directed. It's just a good movie. Whereas Witchboard and Witch Trap are kind of notorious for being so weird and campy, and the acting being so off. Well, this one's. I don't know. This one works in all the right I mean, ways. Some of the acting is better than others. Yeah, we'll get. Doesn't into matter. It. It's all good. Beyond Kevin, though, really, I would say the credit goes to the writer. Uh, he, this was his vision. Kevin was brought in after the fact, so oh, this okay. was written by Joe Augustine, and he was this horror buff. Like this was his his area of focus. Whereas he knew Kevin. His stuff. Kevin had done Witchboard, but he wasn't a massive horror fan. Like, he wasn't well-versed in all of this and stuff like that. Joe, who wasn't a fan of Witchboard because he thought it was kind of an old-school-looking film, Mm -hmm. was more into, like, the cool kid stuff. And Joe really was, like, the cool guy at the time. He was into awesome music. Um, Spoiler alert, he chose all the music for the Uh. film, too. So he was, like... He had his finger on the pulse of what was going to work. He was an 80s hipster. He was, yeah, for sure. And... He had already had, you know, was an established writer. He wrote this script, and it was originally called Halloween Party. Okay. And they I had a different like that name. Yeah, it was a cool name. And he had a different director in mind, and then Kevin just came in kind of after the fact. So at first, there was this apprehension that Kevin, and it was the same producers that did Witchboard. It was like the three of them together. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joe was worried that they were going to kind of compromise his vision because he had this very clear idea of what kind of film this wanted. To, he wanted this to be. Okay, and that's got to be difficult as a writer for in sure. general, just to be like, "Oh, I'm trusting you." But they really got along well. I mean, they compromised in areas. But I watched a, a making of, which mm-hmm. was really cool, and they interviewed everybody. And where the budget limited Joe's original ideas, they just mm-hmm. compromised and came up with new ideas. And I think the end result is very true. It's not exactly what the original script was, but he was very happy with the end result. Good. I saw that they had like about a million dollar budget and then it ended up bringing in like three million. Yeah, it was so a surprise pretty, hit. Yeah. And, good. and we'll kind of talk about that a little bit more at the end because nobody saw that one coming. But I think there was a, a feeling while they were making it that they knew they were making something a little special. But mm-hmm. I don't know if any of them really quite knew that it was going to become the film that it did become. Yeah. But Joe, so I would credit Joe because Joe really did have a clear idea and uh, it stayed Halloween party all the way through, you know, they were already into production and it didn't get changed until the very end because, well, 
Our buddy Mustafa, the producer and director of uh, Appointment with Fear. How is he in this story? (laughs) Well, he's the head producer of all the Halloween movies, remember? Oh my goodness. He had a little problem with them calling a Halloween party and threatened to sue them. He owns the word Halloween? (laughs) Exactly. Okay. But they were so worried that they were like, you know what? Screw it. Let's just change it. And really, that's a bummer because I really do like the name, and they Halloween all did party. too. And I think they like the other name, but Halloween Party really was an awesome that's name. It's a cool name. Somebody should do that now. And this won't have too big of an effect until um, we talk about the opening scene. I'll discuss how that was really the only big effect it had by changing the name. But yeah, they had to change it, and uh, it was all due to to our our boyfriend from, from the Halloween he franchise. Up. He just keeps appearing in the Laser Graves world. He's like that creepy neighbor looking in through your back window. Yeah, like, but that's hey. that's kind of how this got started. That's how this all got put into play and really um some cool guys behind it who were 100% in on this film. Everybody wanted to make this film and they were excited to make it. Okay. What did you think of this opening animated sequence? I thought it was really cool and unique. Uh, I I don't really think I've seen anything quite like it. I mm-hmm. mean, maybe a little bit like the goth version of the mannequin intro. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, it really does set the tone, too. Is I, I think for people who are fans of this film, this is one of those things that makes it special, is this awesome opening animated sequence. Uh, Kevin was not a fan of this at all. He did not believe in this being the opening scene. Whereas Joe, our writer was like, no, I'm going to push for it. This is really what I want to see. And after Kevin saw some test footage of it, kind of rough footage, he believed in what was happening and they ended up keeping it, which ended up being a really cool thing. The animators were this guy, Kevin uh, Kushaver, who was coming off of a uh, notoriously bad and colossal flop from Canon Films Superman 4 Quest oh. for Peace. Yeah, that he was an animator on that, but he was the boyfriend of a pretty well-established animator, Kathy Zelinsky. Uh, And she was a Disney animator. That name sounds super familiar. She was very successful. She actually helped animate like Ursula, Jafar, all these kind of things. I don't know why I would have heard of her. They brought the two of them on board to do the animation and they could barely afford them. And Mm -hmm. um, but they did get some top notch animation. It's really awesome. And why I wanted to mention them in addition to just giving them credit was this was the only thing that really affected changing the name from Halloween Party mm-hmm. to Night of the Demons was the animated sequence had already been done. Yeah. And so to change the title within the animation would mean to reshoot everything over oh, and they didn't have the money for that. Sure. They said what happened is they totally lucked out is that Halloween Party, that end scene where the title comes up with the... the um, house in the background Mm -hmm. happened to be small enough that they could put night of the demon over the top of that and cover it without having to redo everything all right well that's handy and that's how it goes but and it blends this beautiful blend from the animated pumpkin into the opening shot of the film in live action and they knew that was going to happen so they worked with the first opening shot which was pretty unique for the time yeah so we open up on a car driving there's a pumpkin strapped to the hood of the or the roof of the car car's been painted which is actually pretty cool it's like black and white yeah paint it's totally rad and it's immediately evident in this first shot that it is halloween we've got the pumpkin and the driver of the car is this big guy whose name is stooge he's wearing yeah. a pig nose <laughs> yeah so he's in costume next to him is a girl named helen she's also in costume it's sort of like i don't know a greek goddess kind of thing yeah and then there's a pirate guy in the back his name is roger so we have three people in the car they're going along they're on route to a party They're drinking, they're driving, they're just being awful. Really, it's Stooge, the guy with the pig nose. Yeah, they're just being like teens. You know, they're ready to party for the night. They're teens in air quotes, but whatever. (laughs) Uh, I mean, just put air quotes around the word teen at any point in this movie. Right, It's not like a lone wolf style, but they're still pretty clearly not teens. Yeah, so um, Stooge sticks his butt out of the window of the car, classic 80s, and moons an old man who's shuffling down the sidewalk. Well, you'd think he mooned, but he didn't. He actually just pulled his pants down to reveal his pumpkin underwear. Well, I think that's mooning. It's just like a (laughs) modest mooning. Well, why I do that is because um, Stooge, actually the actor, told a story about how 
they wanted him to moon and he was like not gonna happen and then he showed the pumpkin underwear and they tried to pull a fast one by going yeah the pumpkin's not really showing up uh go ahead and just pull your underwear down to fully moon and he was like nope (laughs) not falling for that nice well good for (laughs) him yeah he refused why shine that light (laughs) yeah right where we would have gotten a um cheerleader camp moment had that have happened oh that's burned into my retinas for you can't all time. That scene. Every time I close my eyes, yes. So they moon the old man, and then there's like this creepy, like, ooh, who's behind the car vision? And it turns out it's just another air quotes teen. His name is Sal. Yeah, good old Sal. And he comes up, and there's no explanation here. He's got a dead rat, and he waves it in this old man's face. So so far, this old guy has had teenagers moon him another teenager holds a rat in his face yeah everybody's just messing with him and he drops his groceries and then and this is kind of what i like about this whole sequence is we get introduced to like half of the cast in just a minute's time it is really well paced this whole film is the pacing is great in this film yeah it is pretty good and then um up behind so after sal has left the old man's dropped his his groceries there's a young woman. She's our, like, virginal blonde girl who mm-hmm. comes up. And she off- she <laughs> offers to help. Her name is Judy. The old man's had it. You son of a bitch! And he just, for good reason. He is done. Well, I mean, come on. That's not fair. It's not for good reason. If somebody offers you kindness, you respond. That's fine. No, I think he's just sick of being hassled. Although we later find out he was a jerk to begin yeah. with. So. so she tries to help him and he's like, no. And she's like, never mind. Didn't want to help you anyway, geezer. But uh, <laughs> then he... He's, okay, boomer. <laughs> oh, okay, boomer. <laughs> <laughs> she she leaves, but he, as he's gathering his groceries, he holds up apples. And this is only important because it's a the first bookend of this movie. So. Uh, it is kind of great, though. So put it in your back pocket. We'll pull it out at the end. Yeah. Judy goes home from here, and she's getting ready for a date. We learn that it's like the Halloween dance. And we've seen Halloween kids walking around in the background of this. So it's well established what day of the year it is. She's getting dressed. We have a skeevy brother moment happen. Yeah. Wow, but this is boobies, sis. If you keep on going, you'll have to hire someone just to tie your shoes. I think every 80s movie has to have a creepy brother. Look, I had brothers growing up, and I would have, like, freaked out had they done anything even kind of like this. So I don't know what kind of world was happening for most movie makers in the 80s, but that's not reality. It's this so is gross. A reoccurring theme in 80s horror, though. I know. What is it, elves? It is weird. Uh, yeah, but Judy, the actress that played Judy, was saying, you know, they wanted her to originally be topless, and she was like, yeah, I'm not really, you know, comfortable mm-hmm. with that. Um, she was a working actress at the time, but this was her first big role. She actually quit her day job as Aww. a waitress to do this, and, yeah, and then went on to just keep acting after that. Cool. But, um, this was her big break. However, she didn't want to do the topless scene. Sure. Which I find hilarious because unless it's a body double, there's the whole scene where she's bending over, taking off her underwear in the mirror. And oh, you just has... see her like full on ass in the mirror. And it's got to was... be a double. It was pretty funny because I was like, well, there's that scene. So Judy's getting all fancied up. She's getting her costume on and calls her boyfriend or he calls her. I'm not sure which. And he throws her curveball. He's like, we're not actually going to go to our school dance uh, like we'd planned. Instead, you know that weird goth chick, Angela? (laughs) She's invited us to a party at Hull House, which uh, Judy responds to pretty negatively because, first of all, not a fan of Angela. Second of all, she's creeped out by Hull House, but she's game. Like, I think Judy kind of gets a bad rap for being a buzzkill. But honestly, she kind of goes with the flow and does her best. Yeah, and Hull House is like this crematorium, creepy house. Well, it's a whole It's thing. awesome. It's a really cool set. And also, I would like to mention here, this is when we find out that Night of the Demons was sponsored by Vanilla Wafers. Hmm? <laughs> what? You're not CJ going to town on a box of Vanilla Wafers? No. That whole damn conversation, I could not take my eyes off of it. He had this huge oh. box between his legs just eating. Anyway, so she doesn't want to go, but she agrees they're going to go with their pals. But let's 
Real quick, meet a couple other characters. These are our last, I think our last two that we need to meet for this party. Oh, this is like the best way to introduce a character. This is, yeah. If you know who's already in this movie, they're like, they're a big draw for their names. The, you know exactly who this is before even seeing the face. Well, so this next <laughs> scene opens on, I want to say it's a butt, but it's really not a butt. It's it's all of it. <laughs> It's all of it, and there's a thin piece of fabric from, you know, protecting our eyes from all of it, and that's fine. And there are two gentlemen. Mm-hmm. Sure, that's that's the word I use. Okay. Two guys staring at this woman's butt as she bends over and takes her sweet time looking at some merchandise inside of like a convenience store or mini mart kind of thing. Yeah. And then it pans over to this is where we meet Angela. She's full goth queen yeah she's like, like Susie sue like uh, full. yeah and then uh when we get our other lead linnea quigley who is scream queen she was the big draw for this which was funny because kevin was telling a story where joe was excited to get her they were actually they got her on board first and they were like this is going to be awesome because she was coming off of just a couple years earlier you know, her breakout role was trash in Return of the Living Dead. Mm-hmm. And so after that, like, everybody knew who she was in the horror community. But keep in mind, I had mentioned that Kevin was not a horror fan. Mm-hmm. So he didn't even know who she was when she was cast. He was like, okay. And it wasn't until afterwards, like, as they were filming, that he realized that they had, like, snagged this major horror star. And that was going to really help their movie. So I thought that was pretty funny that she was already involved before the director even knew who was involved. Well, but, that, I mean, it makes yeah. sense. I mean, it's pretty niche. That I, I would say that probably the average person wouldn't know her name. No, but Return of the Living Dead was not a um, small movie. That no. was a monumental movie in the horror community. So I think most people would have known about it. And yeah, so we've got our entire cast. Also, um, not our fun fact, but a little side, side small fact. Linnea Quigley is a vegan. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> I like her more now. Okay. I already liked her just fine, but yeah, now anyway. I really like her. So she's been bending over as, an, as a distraction because we have these two guys who are staring at her, like the, the workers at this mini mart. They're staring at yeah, her. Yeah, the clerks. Yep. And Angela takes a rather circuitous route through the store, filling a fake body bag, I guess, because she's in her goth costume. <laughs> and she fills it with merchandise for the party. So they're like party prepping. Then they both leave. And we learn that Suzanne, played by Linnea, is interested in meeting some boys at the party. And Angela's like, for sure, I I invited cute boys. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Because really, the only boys are, there's like, Roger, who's obviously gay, the pig nose guy, and then two other dudes who are in relationships so oh but the pig nose guy stooge has a sweet mullet and some awesome steps so he's real potential have steps i didn't have steps no your brother did for sure oh yeah my brother had some steps and he had a rat tail i had a rat tail i did not have steps did you have a rat tail i have a rat tail that is living in my mother's house upstairs you show it to me every time we visit your mom it's a thing of beauty it should be celebrated gross okay so now we have all of our characters. Everybody, um, oh wait, we forgot to mention that um, Judy and Jay pick up our, the two friends. Mm-hmm. Their names are Billy and Franny. Yeah, and this is really it. I know we're introducing a lot of characters. It's ten people. Yeah, but this is this is the party. Yeah. And I do like that because it's easy to kind of grasp everybody. Mm-hmm. They've all got their own kind of personalities. Um, so it's cool. We've got our We've got our group now and we're ready to go to Whole House and have like a party. Yes. And it, it, this is fun. I love this whole premise. Did you, when you were younger, did you party in old abandoned houses in high so school? Party? Well, yeah. We had that place. Do you remember? It was called Hell. Yeah, for sure. In our town. Yeah. It was an abandoned water plant, which at one point we went and you could find mercury laying on the ground. Actual mercury. It definitely became a hotbed for, um, like budding eager satanists Mm -hmm. satanists in the makings and so you'd go in and there would often be like 
tons of pentagrams and mutilated animals thrown in because there was this hole that you could open up and throw into the chemical like treatment area. Yeah, it was And creepy. it was just filled with dead animals that were like mutilated. Uh, were they though? I think that everybody said they no, were. No, I flashed my flashlight down there plenty of times. We used to dare each other to try and climb down into the water. I, I just think animals fell down there and died. That's my theory. You can't. You had to open up the, the lid. There's a, if okay. there's a way in, there's a way out. Okay, well, anyway, that was our hot spot in high school, and yes. we would go party there at night for sure, because it was very creepy. It was this huge warehouse that was abandoned. It was weird. Um, I would, yeah, I've partied in a few abandoned houses. We broke into one. We didn't party into one, but we definitely broke into it and just hung out, and it was supposedly haunted, and that was... A very weird experience, but as far as just like this premise of just you know teens going and partying, mm-hmm. yeah, I would say that warehouse in our hometown hell, hell was that was yeah. the place to be. Yeah, yeah, everybody I think in our high school went there for sure. Well, so, in our group anyway. Oh yeah, <laughs> you wouldn't find like the soccer team there. I don't know. Those cheerleaders got in trouble when we were in they high school. They were pretty uh, rough around the edges. They got they? they got arrested at Disneyland for shoplifting. It was like Sugar and Spice. Remember that movie? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that was our cheerleaders. So cool. <laughs> they okay. were pretty cool. I know everybody was like, ah, oh, maybe the cheerleaders are cool. They came back to like cred at our school. That's the kind of high school we went to. Okay, so all of these cr- g- people are coming to Hull House for the party, and briefly, one of them mentions that there's an underground stream, and this is important because we later learn, I'm going to spill the beans right here, that this keeps every all of the evil inside, so it's like a water boundary for demons. And it's Halloween, which means that they there's one night of the year that evil actually can come out and cause trouble. It's really poor timing. It's yeah, it is poor timing, although it's definitely something that teenagers would do. We get to the party, which already instantly looks yeah. fun. It's in the house. It, it does look like a pretty I'd be pretty jazzed to be at that party. I do like also um, the opening of the party is Linnea holding a boombox uh-huh. and there's all these band stickers on yeah. there. I had to pause it because I'm sure a billion people who've covered this on other podcasts have pointed this out, but I noticed it, so it's gonna be my own observation. There's a bunch of band stickers, but one of the band stickers that I noticed was TSOL that was on the soundtrack for Return of the Living Dead. And it just so happens that Linnea is the one holding the stereo. Mm. And I kind of wondered if that was like a little little Easter egg or intentional. I could be wrong. Maybe it was just that it's, you know, a punk band at the time and... And that mm-hmm. was trendy, but I thought that was kind of a fun little nod. Cool. But yeah, the party looks fun. They've um, got they've got snacks. They've got music. They got beer. They're all like they've hanging. got one strobe light. The strobe adds a lot. The cast, uh, by the way, had a blast. Like, and Kevin, the director, said that the making of this film was the most fun he's ever had at a movie. Which was funny because the producer was like, this is the most stressed out I've ever been. You could just tell the difference between them. But the cast was all just like partying down. Um, The dude who plays Sal, Uh he's quite a character, by the way. Was he? Oh, yeah. He looks like the most fun. If I had to choose somebody to have like some like go to a party with, it would be Sal. I think Linnea would be a blast, too. Actually, She's... I take that back. Stooge might be real yeah, fun, Stu- Oh, Stooge is so cool in real life, and too. And I, I hung fun. out with goths in high school, so I'm going to say I've hung out with Angela at parties. Oh, if only she was a goth in real life. <laughs> Seeing her as a, you know, giving an interview was deeply disappointing. Uh-huh. She was fun, for sure, but I was like, oh, she's not an actual goth. But no. uh, the guy who played Sal told the story how they would take the fake beer Mm-hmm. And uh, then he would go do a beer run and they would refill it all with real beer. So they oh. were all just like partying down in real life on the set and just like having it. a blast. Shenanigans. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was pretty funny. So they're they're dancing. And then what happens when you have a boombox with no power source? The batteries die right away. What does Sal say? Anybody ever heard of Duracell? Yeah. <laughs> were they also sponsored by Duracell? They're, Duracell yeah. and vanilla wafers? <laughs> Get the money where you can. (laughs) So they're like, oh, bummer. Music's not working. But guess what? It's seance o'clock. So they're going to have a seance. They decide to do a past lives seance because Judy's a little uncomfortable with a straightforward seance. Yeah, she's laying down the ground rules. They just need a mirror. And lucky for them. They find one. There's a giant creepy mirror in the other room. 
and uh, they go ahead and do the seance, and we get a first glimpse at our demon. Is this supposed to be the devil? What is I that? I think it's just like a, de- a random demon. Okay. That's well, being conjured up. It's really fun. So lead demon appears in the mirror, and I think it's Helen who sees herself dying, like smashing, and screams, the mirror breaks, everybody stands, and actually dug this shot. Oh, yeah, this because is a really cool shot. it's actually my favorite shot of the whole movie. So there's a, sh- a broken mirror that's been carefully arranged in such a way that every character is looking down on the mirror, and you see their faces talking. The shot is of a broken mirror, but you see all of the cast speaking their lines. It's so careful. I don't even know how they did it. That had to be such a huge pain in the butt to it, set up. It, but it's so worth it. Yes, yeah, this great. scene is awesome. And then we're immediately followed up by... Another scene that I really like is um, the crematorium in the basement. Yeah, they hear something. They hear something in the basement. They go down there. Well, it opens up, and we get demon vision of it coming out and like flying through. So So, you got to pause here because you're calling it a crematorium, but I think it's just a big, big furnace. You think so? Well, here's why. They never call it a crematorium at any point. And also, I happened to have lived in an old house as a parsonage growing up. And we had a terrifying furnace. It wasn't quite as scary as that. But still, that idea of an an ginormous furnace. And the house that I lived in had like a coal chamber. So you could shovel coal into a giant furnace, too. Okay. So I think it was just an old big furnace with a huge spot that you shovel coal. Oh, okay. Well, I'm saying it because in the description of the film, it says crematorium. And okay. then also I, maybe second, I missed it. All, second, there's the, all the rollers to put the bodies on. And she finds the skull from other people that have been burned over the past. Well, I, I did understand that people had been burned in there. But I didn't know that the place was officially a crematorium because I didn't hear them say it. Yeah, I think it was kind of suggested. But I do okay. like that the spirit Fair. escapes. And it does what would normally be like, oh, this is an evil dead trick but it's not it's similar though it is very similar but i would call it a witchboard trick because this is straight up progressive entrapment (laughs) like it's moving through the house like uh you know Mm -hmm. i this i got some serious witchboard flashbacks and it made me want to immediately watch that film yeah so the spirit that escapes from the basement shoots up the stairs and looks for somewhere to go and Linnea's character, Suzanne, is putting on her lipstick. She opens her mouth and zoom, down her throat, down the gullet. There's a, that's how you become um, progressively entrapped into demon possession. And it's interesting because now it can be passed on, like, from demon to demon. But there's talk about three demons total. I don't know. I just know that we get our next demon by a uh, another kind of... Notorious scene in this film. Yeah, so after Linnea's character, Suzanne, is um, possessed, the two couples pair off. She's kind of, like, bewildered, like the demon's getting its bearings or something. I don't know. (laughs) So the two couples, um, Judy and Jay, and their friends, uh, whatever their names are, Billy and Franny, they pair off. They're going to go have some couple time, which is like the ultimate buzzkill at a party because it leaves like it's half the always people. Always what it was. It was always like school. you hang out with all your friends and have fun until a certain time at a party. And then it becomes like make out a clock. Uh-huh. And everybody who doesn't want to like go make out with people just sits there and they're like, well, I guess the party's over. You know, my first my first party in junior high that I went to was a makeout party, and I just sat on the floor watching other couples make out. No. It was so embarrassing. Oh, I bet. Anyway, <laughs> the couples pair off, and then Suzanne asks Stooge, like in a surprise maneuver, she asks Stooge to come with her. And it's like a weird, I don't know. But en route, she's like, let's go to the bathroom. Hold hold on a sec. I'm going to smooch my friend Angela. And she gives her, like, the kiss of demon possession and does a little French kiss demon transfer. Yeah, it's like the Britney Madonna moment. And oh, we get the... Is that how Madonna's getting her youth? She's sucking the youth out of other people i don't actually think she has youth whatever but yeah we do get this this scene actually did become got a little bit of attention which people didn't see happening at first and then they were like oh i guess people care cared about that scene but 
Um, yeah, so they, they do their little kiss, and she transfers the demon over into Angela. It's like a secondary demon, because she keeps yeah. her own demon. Absolutely. Yeah, okay. it's just multiplying. Demon spawns, whatever. Well, and there it, there's an interesting little subtext to that. Um, the guy who plays Roger, he had mentioned that at this time, late 80s, in full effect, which I totally remember because I was in grade school at this time, mm-hmm. and... I remember being scared to use the water fountain because we were told that you got AIDS if you used the water fountain or if you kissed anybody or what? anything like No, that was totally true. And I remember like a scare of don't kiss anybody because AIDS was transferred through that. And this is time. prime time for that. And he had mentioned that. He said it was really interesting that the demon in this film was being transferred from one to the other by this kind of mm. sexual interaction. And I thought, oh, that was interesting. I don't know if they were aware of it when they were writing it, but knowing the interview that I heard with Joe, I bet you that was somewhat of um, a kind of on the on the social conscious at the time because okay. that was very much um, at the forefront of pop culture. Of, a little of bit late of an 80s. it follows moment. Yeah, definitely. So at this point, Roger and Helen. They decide they're like, actually, this party now sucks because the couples have broken off and the rest of us are going to do what? Yeah. So they're and also they're creeped out. So they decide they're going to leave and they spend a whole buttload of time wandering around, rubbing at the walls and can't find the exit. (laughs) It is so long. This is really funny, too, because the original script was supposed to be a wooden fence and then when they got to this location, they saw the brick wall and they were like, oh, that would be even cooler. Let's work with that. Uh-huh. But the brick wall was only like 10 feet long. <laughs> so they had to just keep going over it to make mm-hmm. it look really long. Oh, my gosh. Can this you imagine scene acting? drags on for a while. It's yeah. really funny. I would say this is one of the times where I feel like the pacing's a smidge off. I just wanted to be like, Roger, dude, how many times can you smack that wall before you realize nothing is there? It's not going to happen it was for you, Roger. Um, so Judy and Jay find themselves in a room and Jay's like, this is where we hump now, Judy. And she's like, oh yeah, no, that's, I just wanted to go to the school dance that like, this isn't, this isn't doing it for me. And she's in like a gross place. She's in a Halloween costume. She's just not into it. And he is like, oh, well, sorry, I guess you're the worst. And he leaves and he, I think he locks her in there. She seems trapped. It's so funny. He's like, Jay out and just leaves. It's because Suzanne had been a little bit flirtatious with him earlier. Uh And he's like, well, somebody's going to put out tonight if it's not you later. Yep. So it is pretty funny how Jay he just sucks. straight up leaves. And then Angela here takes this opportunity to let her demon freak flag fly. Oh boy, does she. Say that ten times fast. And she starts the coolest scene. Yeah, this is this is the moment. This is the scene if anybody is a fan of this movie. Uh, this is known as Angela's Dance. This yeah. is like the dubbed scene. Everybody knows this moment. And mm-hmm. I will a hundred percent get behind this as yeah. This is the scene. This is the scene that I remember more than anything because I would say the last time I remember clearly seeing this is when I, I mean, I was a goth my entire like. Oh, can we tell people <laughs> what you looked like the first time I saw you? Yeah, I guess. Okay, so I had moved from this very, very small, like, cowboy town. And I'd been a bit of a misfit. And so I'd, I'd had, like, dreams of what other people were like in the world. And I moved to this town and I met this guy who is now, who is you, and you were wearing black nail polish, black uh, fishnet tights on both your arms and your legs, like (laughs) electrician boots. (laughs) <laughs> that was very... And you had like... A lot black, of ministry. I was listening to a lot of ministry at that Black time. makeup, crimped black hair that was enormous. I had never seen anything like it ever in my entire life. <laughs> ever, ever, ever. And I just was like, what? <laughs> Frozen yeah. in my tracks, just like totally gobsmacked by what I was seeing. Well, that was my very first look at you. 
Angela with my crowd for sure. Yes. And she's straight up Susie here yeah. doing her seductive, cool, sexy dance to none other than Bauhaus. Oh. So this was like, wait, what? I would say this is my second favorite use of Bauhaus in a film. Can you think of my first? Hunger. Yeah. For sure. Oh, you didn't even hesitate. Oh, this is right after the hunger, too. This is a one, two for Bauhaus. Bauhaus was yeah. cashing in. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, this could not be any cooler. And is mm. a like, as a goth, as a former goth, yes, this is the scene right here. This is so cool. <laughs> and I want to take a moment to just kind of spend some time on this because this scene really is the you scene marinate of the movie. In it? Yeah, I want to just spend some time. Okay. Angela is played by an actress named Amelia Kincaid. She was, um, she had her background in dance. She, obviously. Obviously. She had done a few music videos. The most notable one was a Stray Cats video where she was real sexy. And that's actually what got her this job because she was not the original cast. And Kevin didn't want her in it. But then they were like, look, you can either have this like seasoned actor or whatever that doesn't know anything about dancing, but the script called for this dance. Mm -hmm. And so it kind of was pivotal to this. And they said, or we can go with somebody who's actually like a a good dancer. Uh And so I think it was Joe and somebody else that showed Kevin the video, the Straight Cats video. And he was like, oh, dang, yeah, she's awesome. I guess we better go with her. And, and, you know, the rest is history. But she came in with a background in, you know, music videos and bit parts here and there. But this was really kind of her big thing, too. And they allowed her to choreograph the dance, too, which was for her the selling point. Because as as a dancer, she was like, this is amazing. This is my moment. Because it was a horror film, which meant she could do anything she wanted. She could be as crazy as she wanted. So this is all her. But the music was selected by the writer. And it just works. It works in all the right ways. And I would say, like music syncing up to scenes in movies this mm-hmm. would probably go up there in some of the greatest yeah. moments and um i have one other thing for you and that is what? this week's fun fact oh what is it <laughs> okay this fun fact not a crazy one a lot of people do know it if they know this movie but amelia the actress who plays angela mm-hmm. is the niece of Rue McClanahan, a.k.a. Blanche from The Golden Girls. How does that even work? Who actually visited the set while they were filming. Oh, that's like a... I don't know what my brain's going to do with that information. Okay, and for all you hoity-toity elitist horror fans that are like, yeah, duh, IMDB that one. Oh, shut up. I got another little sub-fun fact for you. While we played the theme music, I'm going to squeeze another one in. Oh, And that is... In real life, she's also a budding pet psychic. (laughs) So put that in your pipe and smoke it. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Okay, anyway, well, so the dance happens. Will she be a psychic for I I want to hire her? I'm sure she's available. Oh, my gosh. She is a character, by the way. She looks, she straight up looks like she was from Designing Women. Like, she is a handful what really fun character in my mind she's still like 22 or whatever i thought she was gonna be all gothed out with like Susie makeup and she's not she has black hair at least right no she got like brown hair ah okay no she was fun she was a pistol i really enjoyed Ooh, her her interview pistol. was fun i hope when i get older i'm somebody describes me as a pistol i would currently describe you as a pistol now you're being rude okay <laughs> so angela does her dance and sal Weirdly enough, is not mesmerized by her dance because I was like, whatever, I'm going to see what Angela does next. But Al, or Sal's like, I'm going to go. He's straight up like, okay, this got weird. This was basically me and my friends drinking in the cemetery in high school and having a random person walk by and being like, keep walking, keep walking. Keep going. <laughs> this was, <laughs> yeah, I was all in on this dance sequence. Yep. And then let's go back to Suzanne. So she's taken Stooge upstairs to, like, go to the bathroom, but also maybe to hump. I don't really know, but he's into it. Those steps and mullet were irresistible. So she takes him up. Demon, especially. I could see Suzanne normally being like, hey, the steps and mullet are working. But a demon Suzanne would be like, I'm all over that. Yes. So she invites him into the bathroom 
And she's like, cool, 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 let's kiss. And they start kissing, and then she bites off his tongue, and then the best part is when she spits his tongue back at him. Yeah. She spits his tongue at him, and he is possessed now. <laughs> yeah. So we got a new demon in the name of Stooge. And let's go back to Sal. <laughs> Stooge demon is pretty cool, too. He gets progressively weirder He's as it goes He's more like on. a zombie than a demon. He's like a burn victim, too. It's yeah. It's really cool. Whatever happens. So Sal, he goes and finds Suzanne, and she's doing her weird thing. He doesn't see Stooge, but Sal's like, never mind, goodbye. And she's like rubbing <laughs> lipstick on herself, and this is, this is an interesting other scene. scene. Is this when, does Jay walk in during this scene? Mm-mm. This is right after? He, re- he walks in right after, so. This scene is freaking amazing it's something it makes me feel very uncomfortable (laughs) physically i feel like i can feel what's happening and i don't like it okay so originally in the script yes she was supposed to spit up a little like bile and burn a hole in her chest and then push the lipstick through her hole in her chest ah naturally and kevin was like i might not be a huge horror fan but whatever you know the exorcist or something like that had already done it let's Let's do something a little bit more different. And I will say, even I probably wouldn't have come up with this one. Nope. Um, she's spreading her lipstick all over. Well, yeah, like she started on her mouth, she's goes like around her face. She's like wild at hearting it right now. You remember yeah, that yeah. scene? <laughs> Where she's just spreading yep. lipstick all over her face. So she's doing that. Um, then she's spreading lipstick around her breasts. Mm-hmm. And then this is a pretty amazing scene for a low budget horror. Yeah. She takes the lipstick. Well, did you know? <laughs> Here's my fun fact. Okay, what? Demons' nipples work as portholes. I actually did know that. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. So she's like, slide, slide it to the side, stick the lipstick inside. It's a storage pouch. She pushes the lipstick into her nipple. Like, yeah. Finger deep. Yep. And All it the way looks in. so good. It it makes me feel pain to watch it. I don't want to watch it. I don't even want to think about it. Let's move on. The scene is really well done. I um, will tell you a little little story about this scene, okay. though, that's important. Is that to have the scene done, she had to obviously have her breast cast. And okay. she went over to the guy who was hired for special effects and makeup for this film. Okay. His name was Steve Johnson. Steve Johnson was a big shot assistant makeup an effects person in Hollywood. He was kind of second fiddle to everybody at this point. He had worked uh, on big films like The Fog, American Werewolf in London, Videodrome. Why I mention that is because of the scene mm-hmm. we just saw. Guess where he got that idea from? Oh. Do you remember in Videodrome when he pulls the gun out of his chest? Yeah. Exact same technique. Okay. So he worked on Videodrome, Big Trouble in Little China, all these films like uh, Ghostbusters. Mm-hmm. But this was, he was hired to come on as the lead makeup artist. So this was his first big Ooh. shot at being the special effects artist. That's why he wanted to go like above and beyond and do some cool mm-hmm. stuff. He went lipstick deep. But they sent Linnea over to him to have her cast done and they fell in love. <gasps> And he proposed to her on the set of um, Nightmare on Elm Street Part 4. What? My favorite film Please of, tell me they're still the married. Franchise. No, they got divorced a couple years later. Ah. But they, I think they're still friends because they speak very highly of each other. But yeah, they met on the set of Night of the Demons when he was casting the press. And then uh, he married her. It would have been the perfect horror story. It okay. would have been. Unfortunately, it didn't work out. Okay, so... After Sal finds Suzanne and leaves, um, Angela, we have a scene that we got to flash to real quick. Angela warms her hands by the fire, turns around, and her hands are actually on fire. Those were her real hands. What? No joke. So Ah. Steve had put like this chemical stuff on her, like a gel. And he told her, you have six seconds. (gasps) This is the way she tells the story. True story. You have six seconds before this burns through and will burn your actual fingers, like, off. And One, so two, three, she said that four, scene that you five, see, six. she turned so around true. super nervous, said her line, and was counting in her head. And at five, immediately stuck her hands in this um, thing of water that was right off camera, cold water, to turn them off. Oh so that was she real. She did good. Yeah, she did great. It was a cool scene. Okay. <laughs> 
That's it is a cool scene. Okay, and so let's go back to the friends, um, Franny and Billy. They remember they scooted off to go have their couple time. Are they the ones in the coffin? Yeah, so they find a coffin because there's casually a coffin sitting. Okay, so this must have been a crematorium because there's yeah. like a coffin. You're right. Okay. They are like, cool, 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 old coffin. Let's let's go in there and hump. There's a weird thing though where he's like, I've never done it in this before. And I'm like, who has ever done it in a coffin before? I don't know. Somebody, he's saying that as somebody though, like, has. look, maybe other people have, but I've never done this before. Maybe he's saying, like, this is our chance. If you ever <laughs> want to say you did this, here's your goth cred. And they, so they do. They start doing that. But uh, Stooge comes up while they're humping. <laughs> Good old Stooge. And he kills them and actually takes the limb off of the guy, Billy breaks the neck of the girl they're dead so they're out of the picture this is a pretty cool scene actually that's it is it's all really good yeah he he shuts the the coffin door and severs his arm off which we'll talk about later i feel like that would be really challenging (laughs) um so at this point jay who has left judy remember locked he finds suzanne because his goal is to hump suzanne he's like somebody in this house is gonna put out and she does but then oh, she... Yeah. I think this is where we see the unrated version. Yes. Because <laughs> we see, like, every movie she's ever been in, all of Linnea. But um, there is a rated and an unrated version. Okay. I can probably guess as to which one, like, which scenes were unrated. So she's mid, <laughs> mid-coitus? mid Is that a word or a phrase? No, coital? She's not post, not pre mid It's definitely such a funny scene because in the middle he's like, wait, what are you doing? It's really... And she's like, don't look at me. Yeah, and then we get this. Stop looking at me. Ah! Which the voice is hilarious. Yes. And that voice was done by James Quinn, who fans of Witch Trap, which would include me now, big time. <laughs> he's Tony Vicente in Witch Trap. You'll know him after we watch this later. Okay. We'll we'll watch this movie tomorrow or something. You'll love it. He was also in Witchboard, but he also had a small bit. He's one of the clerks at the beginning. Look at Linnea's butt. Um, oh, okay. But he did all the voices for the demons. Nice. And the way they got that voice was to put a microphone in a trash can and stick it down inside. And then he would put his head inside of the trash can and mm-hmm. speak into the microphone I to like get that it. reverb. Very creative. It's really creative. Okay. So she she refuses to be looked upon and then pokes his eyeballs out with her thumbs. Yeah, that was actually a pretty cool scene. Cool death scene. She kills him. That's the end. And then let's get down. We've got now Roger, Judy, and Sal left. Did we say that Helen fell on a car at some point? <laughs> no, I don't think we mentioned that. It was that. kind of like casual, too, in the movie. It was. Have we gotten to the scene, too, which I loved where the severed arm... No, we're almost there. Okay. So Because <laughs> I liked that scene a lot. Yeah, we got a lot of running around. Why don't you talk about it right now? Basically, it's Sal, Roger, and Judy running around the house trying to escape three demons. And they run into the room where the couple was in the coffin. Mm-hmm. And the arm is on the ground and does this cool, like, fly at them and grab them. Yeah, it grabs Judy, I think. I just am such a fan of that kind of stuff. Yeah. I, it's kind of um, evil daddy. It is very evil daddy. But I also, <laughs> um, when the cast was talking about making this film, I was saying, you know, how they were switching out their fake beer for yeah, real yeah. beer and all that. They were also just up to a ton of nonsense and mm-hmm. shenanigans. And while the actor who had his arm severed was yeah. still in makeup... They decided to go out to fast food and get burgers, mm-hmm. and he in full makeup went through <gasps> yes. the fast food line driving with his arms spewing out like <gasps> fake blood on Ooh. a stump and ordered his food. And the actress was like, yeah, you couldn't get away with that now, but in the 80s, that was making horror movies. Like, oh that's the goodness. cool stuff you got to do. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> So at some point they end up on the roof and Sal actually falls off, which it was surprising to me because I thought he was going to make it to the end because it kind of alluded yeah. to like a, the fact that he and Judy had had a previous relationship, even though up till halfway through the movie, he was gross. Yeah. Um, Judy didn't surprise me, but our other final person yeah. definitely did. Yes. 
So Sal falls to his death, and he's instantly got a gravestone, which is hilarious because it says his name, his date of birth, and it says death tonight. <laughs> yeah, That's that was cool. pretty funny. <laughs> Died tonight. Actually, I would like that gravestone. Died tonight, just engraved. Can you imagine, oh. like, strolling through a gravestone and being like, wait, what? Because it would be eternally, like... <gasps> Died like tonight? Relevant. Yeah, everybody would be like, tonight? And then like 30 years later, they'd be like, tonight? I know, that's perfect. <laughs> that's okay. a great, great joke. That's almost as good as the um, tombstone from Royal Tenenbaums that tells this fictitious story about dying in like a oh, heroic yeah. way oh, or like <laughs> on friends with phoebe buffet buried alive oh, oh yeah we should do something fun okay so sal has fallen to his death and we've got roger and judy they i mean it's kind of a lot of running around at this point they go to the basement who knew roger was gonna survive the the reason that this is important is because it only now does it matter but Usually when you have a person of color, they die early in a horror movie, especially in the 80s. And here we have him as a final person. And this was really one of the first. So an interview with him, Mm -hmm. which interesting story, he had just lost his job and was basically about to start being homeless in L.A. And got this job like this kind of got him like changed his career. Yeah. when he was um, talking on camera, he said that he was fully aware that when he mm-hmm. took this job in the script, he was like, wait, what? Yeah. And he acknowledges it up front. He said, look, up until this point, black people in horror movies die right away. They're the first to die. The, the fact that a black man like made it not only to the end, mm-hmm. but is actually the hero of the film we'll get to. Uh, was very appealing to him and that's something that he's always taken with him is like he kind of paved the way okay so they make it through the night they realize that they truly just have to make it through the night until the sun comes up we do get one cool scene when they're down in the crematorium and judy breaks off the gas pipe lights it Mm -hmm. and does this cool scene which reminded me so much of uh cynthia from night of the creeps with the flamethrower just walking around it was really cool because she like torches the demons and I there's some cool scenes at the end but really we are just getting to Roger and Judy you know they got to get over that wall because mm-hmm. if they can get over that wall the demons can't get them and they'll survive and they do they, and they make do. it they over make the wall it. yeah they escape and it's the end or is it well my favorite is the grand demon I, we'll get to the very very end but okay. before that the one that we saw in the mirror yes becomes like all of them burn on the other side of the wall. All the demons. And then out of the smoke, we get this huge demon that was in the mirror mm-hmm. appearing over the wall, like pissed off because it can't come and get He's him. He's cranky. It's really funny. The end. Let's, you know who I've been wondering about? I definitely have been wondering about the same person. What about, whatever happened to that old man in the one scene at the beginning of the movie? Let's check back. Oh, this guy? You son of a bitch! Yeah, so there he is. It's the next morning, the day after Halloween. It's November 1st. He's sitting down at his breakfast table. His wife has prepared food. He's extremely rude and expectant. So rude, yeah. She made breakfast for him. I do like the um, passive-aggressive guilt that she's laying on, though. She's like, well, while you were sleeping... I've been up for hours cooking for you. And he's like, whatever. (laughs) What did you make me? And he's eating it. He's eating something with apples. And she's like, oh, well, you had so many leftover apples from last night. And his wife is telling him, no, 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 you didn't. Yeah. You only, only a few were handed out last night, but I made you breakfast with all of those leftover apples. That also have razor blades in them because they slice open his throat and he starts bleeding out all over the table. He dies. The end. Movie's <laughs> over. Goodbye. And that is Night of the Demons. First time watch for Mariah Rose. Yeah. What did you think? I feel like I want to watch it again because, you oh, know, yeah. just even talking through it, I'm like, hmm, what is that? What happened there? I need to investigate with, you know, my monocle. It's really fun, too. Um, the director, Kevin, was saying, you know, with Witchboard, it's like, it's a fun film to watch once, but it's not one that you're like, ooh, I want to go watch that over and over. Mm-hmm. Hmm, I maybe argue that. Yeah. but. With Night of the Demons, he said that was really a film that was just something you could put on over and over. Yeah. And I do think that that there is, like Night of the Creeps we just mentioned, 
there has to be this element that is fun or Return of the Living Dead that is rewatchable. Yeah. And it's rewatchable with friends or if somebody's never seen it, you're like, I got to show you this movie. Yeah. And you want to watch it with them again like you look forward to it. Night of the Demons is one of those films. Yeah. Like, had I have known you had not seen this, <laughs> I would have definitely said, guess what we're watching tonight. So, yeah. Yeah. And if, you know, we had a friend over who had never seen it, both of us would be very excited to show them mm-hmm. this movie because this is just classic 80s. Yeah. So, so good. Yeah. $1.2 million budget, like you mentioned. And it went on to do very well, which was interesting because it had limited release. Um, they didn't get a full release. And it was speculated that... Uh, I think they released in Detroit or something like that to a few theaters and did really well. And that had they have done well nationwide like they did there, I think it was Detroit, they would have done like insanely well. But they still managed to make just off of that opening and stuff um, over three million. So double their money. It was huge. And that immediately had, you know, spinoffs. There was, um, you know, two two sequels that we mentioned that came off Mm -hmm. of that. And then something that I didn't know, I don't know why I never knew this, but uh, there was a remake done recently, Night of the Demons, and I have mixed feelings. Did you watch it? I haven't watched it. I was going to watch it before this episode, but then I thought, you know, I don't want to like tarnish the love that I have for this film. I do think I'll watch it because I know that um, Joe, the writer, was involved. So I do want to see if they brought back some of the elements that were taken out of the original script. But there is no way it's going to replace this because this is just too... This is too much in the canon of horror, like especially 80s horror. You can't replace it. Yeah, when you watch this, you go, okay, I see. I see its influences and I see its influence. Yeah. So, yeah. But that's it. So uh, Night of the Demons, if you guys are fans of it, I hope you enjoyed this. If you have not seen this... Definitely a Laser Graves approved uh, movie. I do think it's got everything you want in a classic 80s horror. All that and a bag of chips. Yeah. Oh, that's right. (laughs) All that and a lipstick in your nipple. No, don't ever say that. Well, if you like what you heard, please um, tell your friends. Thanks to everybody who has been rating, reviewing, subscribing, Mm -hmm. sharing. We do appreciate it. You know, we do this out of the love of podcasting. Any kind of help we can get, we do appreciate. If you want to follow us, we're on Instagram at Lasergraves. You can also just go to www.lasergraves.com and check Mm -hmm. out all our previous episodes. And then if you want to follow our personal sites, I'm on Instagram at death at 33 RPM. I'm at Mariah Rose Wimmer. And until next week when we... I'm seeing it. It's sitting right next to us. Golden Child! We are gearing up for Golden Child next week. I did propose that we recover Teen Witch. No, as, no, you want to do a part two of us just doing it again. As though we've never done it before. <laughs> <laughs> also, uh, Golden Child may get pushed again because now that we found out who Warlock is in 1989, <laughs> Julian Sons has something to say oh, about no. it. Oh, no. All right. See you next week. Bye. Bye.